Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. are listening live to in much less detail the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your nfl breakdown in much less detail here with you live on a saturday friday night almost screwed up right off the bat december the 23rd 2016 most of the games will be played tomorrow on saturday it's so very confusing it feels like a saturday night but it's only friday i'm dre he's jay we are here we are both connected we are both actually on the air we will not be starting the show with 10 minutes of silence, just a minute or so of my usual gas bagging, which you should be used to by now. It's a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year coming up in a couple of days. Because of Christmas being on a Sunday, the games are all moved back to Saturday, except for a few of those games. And Jason, we got started with week 16 last night with the Giants and the Eagles, with the Giants having something to play for, trying to clinch a playoff spot, and the Eagles having nothing to play for. But yet, there's that old bugaboo again, that home team on the short week on that Thursday night with some terrible, terrible football and the home team somehow prevailing. Uh, 24 to 19, the Eagles win it. Giants came back, made it close. But in the end, the Eagles held on. And you had the Giants and I had the Eagles. So what did you get out of that game? That the Giants are shit. And I should have <laughs> not, uh, I should have never gone against myself in thinking that they're fake because. Wow, they looked bad. I mean, Uh-oh. Odell Beckham managed to go completely off, and there's Eli Manning being Eli Manning again. If he's not throwing the ball to Odell Beckham, he's a piece of shit. So exactly what I wrote down. Eli Manning is a piece of shit. Is that what you wrote down? No, I wrote down Eli played like Eli. <laughs> yeah. This is why I have no faith in them uh, to be able to go on a deep playoff run. It didn't help that. Janoris Jenkins wasn't there because apparently Janoris Jenkins is the greatest player in the league that nobody talks about. If you were watching any of the pregame hype, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, and the Eagles, you know, he, he, they got Darren Sproles back and he immediately makes a difference. He just, you know, the, he gets out into open space and scores that first touchdown and the giants just were completely not prepared for him and his speed. And uh, the, the Eagles did enough. But the Giants, you know, Eli Manning with the three picks, and they weren't pretty. I mean, he's just heaving the ball, just hoping, oh, please, somebody catch it. Somebody caught it, all right, the other team. That last one was beautiful for me because I knew the uh, the Eagles were going to pick it off because it floated up there so long. I'm like, oh, they're going to get over there and get the ball. It's over. And that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, I just chalk it up. I mean, they just played the Giants played bad. They looked like the you know for for a team that I hadn't watched a whole lot this year, finally get a chance to like to see them, and I'm like, wow, these guys are ten and four. Hmm. Oh boy, 
Yeah. yeah and it does so, not look like one of the elite teams in the NFL, does it? <clears throat> no. So by virtue of their defeat, the Cowboys lock up number one. They lock up everything. So all the yep. chatter today is how much is Tony Romo going to play to get the rust off in case they need him here in these next couple of weeks. It was really interesting that that's immediately what the conversation shifted to is how can we get Tony Romo in the game? Not that yeah. the Cowboys were the number one seed without him. It's now how much time are they going to give him? Are they going to give him a half? Are they going to give him a couple quarters? What are they are just going to let him start the last game? Um, really interesting that that's what the conversation is coming out of that Giants win or loss. That's the conversation among media members. I don't think the the Cowboys are actually talking about stuff like that. I don't think anyway. I haven't heard anything to the to the to the sort. But it is unusual that you have the quarterback that has played a hand in zero of the Cowboys. Whatever twelve wins is, is that what they have right now? Uh, yes. They can't wait to figure out when to get him in the game so that he can contribute somehow to the season. It, that's not necessary. It's not going to really make that much of a difference if Tony Roma has to come in in the playoffs, whether he played a quarter or a half in week 16 or 17. I don't think it made that much of a difference for Peyton Manning to get in there week 17 and play a quarter or a half last year for the Denver Broncos because Peyton Manning played like crap in the playoffs anyway. I don't think it made much of a difference. So that's just media speculation, trying to drum up a story that – really doesn't seem to be there right now. I don't think uh, the Cowboys themselves are clamoring to get Tony Romo on the field to get the rust knocked off. I think they'd rather keep the team intact and, and play as a unit as they have all year and, and keep things going. Uh, they're just looking for something to, uh, to make up. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, it's sorry. You caught me chewing on something. No, that's, that's quite all right. Uh, as far as the Eagles game last night, the win over the Giants, Darren Sproles breaking free was surprising to the Giants. But before he broke free, he had big Lane Johnson back out there blocking for him, coming back off a 10-game suspension. And you know what Lane Johnson played like? He played like a man who hasn't played NFL football the last 10 weeks. He actually looked very fresh and very ready to go. And the Giants didn't really have anything for him because they've been playing football all these weeks. And it's just... It's so fucking hard. I, I, me having played zero NFL minutes, I wouldn't know. But all, all the athletes that I, I hear talk about the subject of Thursday night football, it's almost unanimous how much harder it is to get up for those games as a visiting team. You got to go through recovering during the week from the from the car accident that you went through on Sunday. You only have three days to recover instead of the normal six, and the body just isn't ready. And that's what the Giants started the game looking like. They just weren't ready to, uh, to play NFL football. And I don't know exactly what it says about them, that they rallied and made it close and had a chance to win the game uh, if Eli Manning isn't floating interceptions all over the place. Uh, it probably you know, shines a light on how much better they are than the Eagles right now. But it, they came up short because – Eli Manning played like Eli Manning and was just floating some terrible, terrible passes out there. And that's not a Thursday thing. He does that on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. He does that a lot. And he's going to, he's still going to get in the Hall of Fame because he has two Super Bowl rings. But good God, he's crazily, uh, maddling, maddeningly inconsistent. That's the title that I gave to Aaron Rodgers. But Eli Manning uh, can wear that mantle sometimes as well because when he has some bad games, he has some really, really bad games. 
And Eli, Eli Manning hasn't had a really good season, in my opinion, in a while. And if he didn't have Odell Beckham, I, oh, yeah. where would he even be without without OBJ right now? Um, that, that game was sort of lost right off the bat because you blinked and you missed it at the beginning, and it's 14 to nothing. I mean, the, the, the Eagles get the first possession, score a touchdown, and then Eli Manning conveniently throws a pick six. Yeah. And that was pretty much the, the ball game. It felt over. I mean, like, oh, my God, 14 zip just like that. And then all the Giants could do was kick field goals, it seemed like, you know. And so, yeah, that, that really that, – that's one of those big momentum killers. You can't account for that. You don't know that Eli Manning is just going to go in there and then his team's first possession after the other team scores a touchdown, he's just going to go out and throw a pick six. It's like, oh. So, Yeah. The Giants are fake. I would, I, I'd stay, I'd stand behind it. I didn't stand behind it with my pick, but I still stand by my statement. The Giants are fake. I want to know if you have any uh, insight into this little piece of information that I'm going to give you, which I can't, I can't make heads or tails of it, so maybe you can. Uh, as, as you know, we were picking from the uh, – Wager line, uh, I, I still call it your line. That's what it was when I first joined it. The covers.com uh, handicapping pool, the king of covers pool, which had at the time that we made the pick on Wednesday evening, late Wednesday evening, uh, New York minus two and a half points. I don't check right before the games on Thursday uh, often. I don't really remember to do that, but I was kind of curious what the spread was. The only news before the game changing uh, anything as far as the participants in the game was the Janoris Jenkins uh, downgrading to to being out for that game, as you already talked about. Oh, sure. Right before that game kicked off, the Eagles were a one and a half point favorite. What the hell do you make of that? I can't make wow. anything of that. I don't know what that meant. And the Eagles wind up winning the game by five. But what could that possibly mean? That much smart money coming in on. Um, the, the home team on Thursday. Is it is it that simple that the people wait until the last second to, to throw all the, the their betting chips on the home team? I, I don't know what else could have changed to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that came out, like you said, was the inactive of Janoris Jenkins. It must have been enough. Really? That, that must have done it. I, I, I don't know. I guess if that's the only thing that changed. Um, I noticed in the broadcast of the game, the, the things that they were talking the most about were the Janoris Jenkins being downgraded uh, to being out, and then the return of Sproles and the return of that uh, the Eagles' uh, you know best offensive lineman. Uh, and it made a difference right off the bat. You saw that both of those guys impacted the game right away. But it, it did tighten up. It did clamp down. The The Eagles were not, after that 14 nothing, which was you know five minutes into the game, they scored 10 points the whole rest of the game. So, yeah, like we said, it fell you know, the, over early, the Giants but it wasn't. Did, Giants could have the Giants. Won. I was scared yeah, the whole the Giants game, really. Played the, well, the Giants played the defense. Eli Manning just stunk up the joint. Yeah. And that was, you know, they couldn't overcome that. Where was wow. the, the, the Giants must not have a Tom Savage on their roster. <laughs> they they would never know. They would never find out because you're never going to bench Eli Manning because he's Eli Manning. So. But remember, you heard it here many years ago on this show where I was saying that Eli Manning really needs to retire, and that was before Odell Beckham came along. So I've been saying that I don't think Eli is very real for, yeah. for quite a while now. 
and and I believe my viewpoint on this very show was that uh, he needed a change of scenery. Right. And if he, yeah, I think you brought up San Diego that Philip Rivers is kind of waning down and maybe he could go there and bring the fruit with him, bring Odell Beckham with him or something like that. Uh, that's not going to happen, but just fantasy scenarios. If Eli, need, if Eli needs to right. go somewhere, he needs to go somewhere with Odell Beckham because otherwise I don't think it's going to do him very well. <laughs> so yeah, no, I don't know if it was a change of scenery necessarily to a certain place. I think he – I breed, I brought up the uh, the Kurt Warner career mm-hmm. arc and saying that that's sort of what Eli might need is to just go somewhere um, – a little bit, maybe go some more somewhere obscure and sort of rebuild that credibility, or go somewhere where they're going to uh, run an offense that suits him, or go somewhere where he can have a running game behind him because he clearly cannot carry an offense by himself. Um, well, you brought that team up as well, the the Kurt Warner team specifically, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Go to Arizona and yeah. replace Carson Palmer, who looks like he's done. So. Sure, why not? All fantasy but it won't scenarios happen now not, because they're they're yeah, somewhat. They're somewhat relevant again. They're in the conversation. They're going to most likely go to the playoffs. There's still a chance they don't go to the playoffs, but for the most 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 likely, they will be going to the playoffs. Jim Moore has thoughts on playoffs. That. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, it's that season. It's that time of year. We got playoff scenarios and things winding down and things. Charging up the Cowboys, as we said, charged up and, and have clinched the NFC home field throughout the playoffs with that Giants loss last night. So we'll see if that has an impact on either one of our picks for that Monday night game, because the Cowboys at the moment have nothing to play for now. So we'll see how that shakes down. That will be one of our highlight games that we get to our four highlight games. But first, I shall tell you that you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail, the only place to listen to our show live. But if you want to listen to the podcast version, at which the last show, the podcast version, thankfully, took out the 10 minutes of dead air that we started the show with and reduced it down to about a minute. So there is some post-production being done by Blog Talk Radio, so I guess we should thank them for that because we really fucked up the beginning of last show. Uh, But to listen to the podcast version of our show, which has an after show after the live portion goes off, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Much Less Detail, the podcast. You can come back to the live show page, scroll down to the bottom, and and check out all of the shows that we've ever done. You can go to any podcast app and search for Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are definitely available on TuneIn, Mixcloud, Blubbery, and Player.fm. And search your favorite podcast app. We may be available on that, too. Email the show, send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Tweet me at IMLDDre. Tweet Jason at IMLDJTG. Follow our picks on the blog. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. And with all of that, it is time to get to the penultimate week of 2016. Week 16 in the NFL playoff scenarios on the line, division titles, wild card spots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the games taking place tomorrow, as I said, but the most of the highlight games will be taking place on Sunday and Monday. One game tomorrow that we're going to highlight is the Colts and the Raiders, uh, two offenses that can do some serious damage at any time. Uh, Indianapolis 7-7 seven and seven and desperate for a win, trying to stay relevant in the race to win the AFC South. Two teams to leapfrog for them to, to do that. And the Oakland Raiders at 11 and three. Uh, 
trying to win that AFC West, still battling with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not clinched yet. They can clinch it with a win and a Kansas City loss this weekend. Indy 4-3 and three on the road, Oakland 4-2 and two at home, not counting that win in Mexico. It is a Oakland being favored by three and a hook line. Indy gets three and a half points at Oakland. Jason, who you got? Yeah, and the Colts have looked good on the road in a couple of spots this year, but most notably that would be the uh, Green Bay game and the Minnesota game. So maybe maybe that's just a playing the NFC North type thing. Every once in a while you see that team has that run of success against the other division um, or another division that they're going to play, and they just run through them. Um, so I'm just going to chalk it up to that because as much as that injury, the hand injury to Derek Carr kind of worries me, I'm going to go with the Raiders here uh, playing. I mean, they're, they're both playing for something, but I think that the Raiders at this point are clearly the better team. Uh, the Colts still don't play defense. They kind of play it when they want to, which is not much. So I don't like Andrew Luck on the road in the black hole in this spot. I think that we saw Derek Carr struggle with the hand injury, but that was against good defenses. Um, he had no problem shredding Buffalo in the second half of that game. He had no problem in the first game when he actually injured the hand and bringing them back to victory where we really saw him struggle was in the cold in Kansas city. This isn't going to be that same environment. And this is not going to be, uh, even though I don't think, even though statistically the chiefs don't play great defense, they're, they're a different animal at home. I don't think the Colts are going to put up much of a fight here. Um, they will move the ball. So I'm not thinking that this is going to be, uh, you know, the, the Raiders shutting them down on defense. But like you said, or if you've pointed out, if the Raiders can be up late, it just will turn into the Khalil Mack show going after Andrew Luck. And I think that'll be enough to seal this one away for the Raiders. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine the Colts not having much of an effort at, at, the, at the Oakland Raiders. Just mentally, you're thinking about, the Colts clicking on all cylinders at the Minnesota Vikings, a, a, a tough defense, one of the higher rated defenses going into the season, had some injuries, a little beat up, but still pretty tough. Uh, and coming from that and going to a much worse defense in the Oakland Raiders, I, I got to think the Colts are going to compete and put up yardage, as you said. The problem is, will they stop the Oakland Raiders from putting up more yardage and more points? And not only are the Colts potentially as bendable, flexible, malleable on defense as the Raiders, they might be more so. And I even found a number to back that up. Uh, I've, I've talked about hurries this season as uh, as sort of a new stat that I've found because sacks is one thing, but if you can consistently hurry, the quarterback that says something as well, that means you're able to, to generate pressure. Uh, you may not be able to finish all the time, but at least you're getting there and, and affecting the play potentially. And the Indianapolis Colts are DFL in hurries this year with 57 team hurries through 14 games this season. And if you need some perspective on that number, the Miami Dolphins lead the league in hurries this year. With 115, that is a huge discrepancy. The Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr, when they're clicking, have looked very, very good. They haven't been clicking necessarily lately. I think that's 
uh, some injuries on their receiving core. Michael Crabtree is, is playing through some stuff. Amari Cooper is playing through some stuff as well. And obviously Derek Carr is playing through a pinky finger that's been pointing the wrong direction for a few weeks now. Uh, but they're, they're gutting through it and, and trying to get over it. With those lack of hurries by the Colts defense, I think whatever Indy does on offense, and I think it's going to be a substantial amount of offense, I think the Raiders are going to do more and overcome them. And as Jason already mentioned, if Oakland takes the lead, they will close it out. They've got Aroldis Chapman, Mariano Rivera, John Wetland all rolled into one in Khalil Mack, uh, and Bruce Irvin isn't so bad himself on the other side. And if the Raiders get a lead, they shut it down. They close it out at the end of the game. I'm going to agree with Jason and take the Raiders and give the three and a hook. And the hook scares me, but I'm going to do it. Uh, and the, Col- the Colts have not earned the trust to overcome uh, a hook like that. They've been so inconsistent all season long, and the Raiders have done what they've been doing to get to that 11-3 and mark. I've said it's been a lot of luck involved, and it has, but there's – also undeniably a hell of a lot of skill involved. And so I'm going to go with the, uh, with the Raiders in the black hole. We will move on to our second highlight game. Now we'll move on to the weekend action, the Sunday night, the Monday night, the Sunday afternoon, the only game on Sunday afternoon on Christmas day, they, they, the NFL was so, sacrosanct in in making all these Christmas Day games on Saturday. We don't want to disrupt the sanctity of Christmas Day. We want people to have Christmas Day with their families, except at 4.30 Eastern time when everyone needs to pile around the TV and give us a monster, monster rating for the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we all know it's going to get a monster, monster rating. The NFL, they don't miss a fucking trick. I'm telling you, they do this shit on purpose. They know how important the, the Ravens and Steelers always are late in the season. They know how much of a rivalry this has been. They did that on purpose. And it's great business. I, I can't really fault them for that. I'm just saying that, that come on, that's the only game on Sunday afternoon. It, it, it's a, it's not a coincidence that the only game on Sunday afternoon is not the, the 49ers and the Rams game. There's a reason for that. Anyway, the Ravens are 8-6. and six. The Steelers are 9-5. and five. It's been called a sort of playoff game, de facto playoff game, because of the fact that the Steelers will clinch the AFC North if they win the game, no questions asked. It's just Steelers win, they're in. The Ravens will not win the, the, the uh, AFC North if they win the game. They will stay in the hunt for the AFC North and stay alive one more week. So it's not necessarily a playoff game, but it kind of is. Anyway, the Ravens two and four on the road this season, and the Steelers are four and two at home. And the Steelers, of course, are favored. Uh, they are five and a half point favorites over the Ravens. And if you listen to this show and you know my leanings for each of these teams, you know that, of course, I think that's too much. Uh, so I will take the Ravens and those points, and I probably would take them to win the game as well. Uh, because for all of, of Pittsburgh's offensive tricks and weapons and Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger and how how great Todd Haley has been in devising offense, uh, for all of that, the Steelers still uh, went into Baltimore Week 9 and lost 21-14 to in a game in which the great Le'Veon Bell has been running for an average of about 800 yards a game the last few weeks. In that game at Baltimore, Bell rushed 14 times for a grand total of 32 yards. I got a hunch based on the way the Ravens play the Steelers 
the way the Steelers play the Ravens, it's going to be a war back and forth. It's going to be a bloodbath. They always play hard. They always play each other very, very tight. And Ben Roethlisberger not looking very sharp lately for different reasons. There's been weather issues. There's been whatever factors uh, there, there have been. Roethlisberger has not been throwing the ball very, very well the last three, four weeks or so. Uh, and the Ravens really want this. They really need this to stay alive uh, for a playoff spot. Uh, I think the Ravens are just going to come out and, and, and take this game because they really need it badly and because the Steelers uh, are not going to just run over the Ravens and intimidate them. The Ravens are not scared of the Steelers, and the Steelers are not scared of the Ravens. Uh, a couple of key injuries in this game. Baltimore will not have their best cornerback, Jimmy Smith, so that should be an issue uh, unless Roethlisberger's woes are that bad that he can't even take advantage of that. Uh, for Pittsburgh, Ladarius Green has been looking very good at times this year at tight end. He will not play in this game. That's a big loss for the Steelers. Uh, but I'm going to take the Ravens. They, they've been revving it up lately. Joe Flacco has, has flashed and, and looked like he's ready to try to uh, advance his passing offense, which has been kind of low and and middle of the pack all season long, but he had a couple big games. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure if I trust Ben Roethlisberger right now. He doesn't look quite right. Uh, but we'll see if he comes out and, and puts on the big show uh, that we know he wants to put on in, in this big game. Um, Pittsburgh pressuring Joe Flacco and Baltimore pressuring Ben Roethlisberger will probably be very big uh, parts of this game. Uh, and the Ravens have not been very good at pressuring the quarterback this year as uh, the Steelers have uh, they've gotten to the quarterback a little bit but they've got so many guys uh, like Cameron Hayward and company that are not going to be in this game because they've gotten hurt throughout the season I think that takes a toll and, and I think the, uh, Joe Flacco has a little easier time than he normally would so in a very close physical hard fought probably low scoring game I'm going to take the Ravens. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you here. So we're, we're, we're two for two today here on the day. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Pittsburgh has been, you know, both of these teams have had interesting seasons where there were some really sort of down periods in there. And then all of a sudden, both teams have been capable of going on these long winning streaks. And, and they very much mirror each other, the way their season is going. Well, one of the things that we highlighted um, and we sort of crowned the Steelers as uh, a few shows ago was this bum slayers. You know, the, the, the Steelers will beat up on a team and beat a team that's no good. But when the Steelers, you know, fight somebody that can fight back, they've been losing and, and they lose bad. So when the Steelers lose, they don't just lose. Other than that Cowboy game, when the Steelers lose, they get whooped. Uh, and Baltimore and Pittsburgh... Not that, not as far apart in in the categories as we think. Offensively and defensively, they're they're not that far apart. I mean, Baltimore and Pittsburgh both uh, huge uh, point differentials on the year. You know, one of my favorite stats. They're both outscoring their opponents at a pretty good clip. Baltimore hasn't scored as many points as the Steelers have, but they also haven't given up as many, and that's kind of what we expect from them. So a little bit better defensively on the Baltimore side. And yeah, Pittsburgh losing weapons offensively. Um, like you said, Roethlisberger, he's been, 
hiding almost behind. They they had to hide. They didn't need him in the one game in the snow up in Buffalo. You know, that was just the Le'Veon Bell show. Um, but overall, I don't know, you know, could it just be a season's worth of injuries or many seasons worth of just little aches and pains and nagging things kind of creeping up on Roethlisberger? You know where he's going to be. So if Baltimore is capable of getting after him, they can force him into some mistakes in this game, especially that he's going to be doing it with not the usual suspects on offense. You know, you, you mentioned Ladarius Green is gone. Sammy Coates is gone. He's got guys that are uh, like even Le'Veon Bell who's just been coming back. So I think they're going to have to lean heavily on him again. I think this all Baltimore. Uh, we know that Baltimore has, uh, unless they're playing, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, which is what this seems to be that uh, good run defense killer. They do have a good run defense. So I am going to go with the Ravens right there with you. Uh, they do take control of the division back with this win because they would have then swept Pittsburgh for the season. They would have the tiebreaker and then Baltimore would just have to basically win next week. They would be in completely in control of their own destiny by winning next week. They would have the division all sewn up. So I'm going to go with the Ravens here to create some drama and some tension for at least give us something to watch in week 17, if anything. Sure. Yeah, but boy, how many people are going to be watching this in week 16? So many people are going to have to be yeah. tearing themselves away from their families on Christmas Day to, to at least some minutes of this game, if not the whole game, at least five or ten minutes or so of, of enjoying this one. I know I'll be trying to tear myself away uh, from my family and, and trying to watch some of this game. Yeah, and this is only uh, NFL Network. This is NFL Network only. So this is not even, right. <laughs> excuse me, going to be network TV. It'll be NFL Network TV, but not your, uh, you're not, not one of your big three. I'm going to guess it's going to be maybe the highest rated game ever on NFL Network. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't doubt that. It is a special edition uh, of Thursday Night Football. Did you know that? Oh, it's a special Sunday afternoon edition yeah. of Thursday Night Football. That is <laughs> correct. Lord. They've already been. They've already been pushing it as that. Set your DVRs, folks. Look for Thursday Night Football if you want that Sunday game. Ugh. What the fuck? All right, Sunday night football, actual Sunday night football on NBC. Is that am I correct on that? Is that uh, is that been yeah, branded? It's a, as it's a special. Different? It's a special Sunday night Christmas <laughs> edition of Sunday night football. The Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Broncos. Uh, I don't think they have a chance to come back and and win uh, and get a, a wild card spot. They might be technically still in it, but I, I don't think they really have much of a chance uh, but they are eight and six and the Chiefs at ten and four looking to stay alive in the uh, AFC West if the Raiders would go down in defeat to the uh, to the Colts on Saturday uh, and if not the Chiefs of course are still looking for a wild card spot they actually get in the playoffs if Baltimore loses that game to Pittsburgh or if they win straight up here against the Denver Broncos on Sunday night uh, so definitely something on the line. Uh, not too much love for the Chiefs. Uh, we have the cop-out line. The Broncos, who kind of seem to be circling the drain a little bit, uh, are only three-point underdogs at the 10-4 and four Chiefs. Jason, who you got? I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs here. Um, they're clean in the secondary, which is where I think they're going to need to be healthy. 
uh, going into this game. So you can, you know, Eric Berry, the, the, oh God, the, the name escapes me, but they have their, their, their top cornerback. All these guys are going to be out there. They're going to be healthy. I'm not seeing any of these guys that are, you know, high leverage players in that secondary showing up on the list. And the reason I say that's so important is because Denver cannot run the ball. They, they just can't. I don't even know if they try. Um, this is going to squarely fall on the shoulders of Trevor Simeon to have to go into Arrowhead and pull out a win on the road in an extremely difficult place to play. I don't think he's got it in him. Uh, big primetime game here. I think this is going to basically be Andy Reid and the Novocaine Kansas City offense dinking and doinking and, and, and mixing in those running backs in the passing game and just kind of running that little uh, you know two three headed monster with you know Spencer Ware and Shark Tank uh, Shark Kendrick West um, just getting it done out there and Alex Smith moving the ball the other you know of course the the keys the key name on offense that's not showing up for the Chiefs either on the injury report is Jeremy Macklin so I'm not talking about the guys who are hurt I'm talking about the guys who aren't this is a fairly healthy team. You know, other than Justin Houston being gone, this is a pretty healthy Chiefs team going into the most crucial time of the year. And they are fighting for a division championship, um, trying to get that one back from the Raiders that they had to give up last week, losing to Tennessee at home. Um, This doesn't feel like your typical get right game because Denver is not a cream puff. (laughs) But I think Kansas City needs this to be a get right game. Um, especially after losing the way they lost. So I don't think that if they get up that they're just going to suddenly take the foot off the accelerator. I think they're just going to keep doing what they're doing, play solid. This game is going to have to fall onto Trevor Simeon winning it, and I don't think he can. Two teams play one of the stranger games of the season in Week 12 uh, up in Denver where they both struggled mightily with offense uh, for the first three quarters and then just decided to let it loose and – put on a, a fireworks show leading to overtime where they both got a field goal. And then with no time left on the clock, Cairo Santos uh, bank shot a field goal off the, off an upright and in to win the game for the chiefs 30 to 27. So uh, if they have anything close to, to that game on Sunday night, it will be, uh, it'll be strange. Once again, I, I guess it'll, keep a lot of people riveted because they'll be like, what am I watching? Am I watching something crazy again? I can't believe it. Uh, but like I said, the Broncos don't seem to be going in the right direction at all. Uh, I'll talk about the guys that aren't going to be there on the Broncos side. When you talk about injuries, Brandon Marshall, uh, one of their better linebackers in coverage and tackling out TJ Ward, the hard hitting safety out two tight ends, Virgil Green and the man who likes to drop passes uh, after he catches them, A.J. Derby, uh, he won't be there either. That might be a a positive by negative, in addition by subtraction, with him not being available. Uh, But the Broncos are beat up, and the Chiefs are not. And the Chiefs certainly need this game uh, to to stay, to keep their playoff hopes uh, in a very good place. They're, They're not really in too much danger of losing their playoff spot, but they would like to, to get the momentum back after they had that loss to the Titans last week that you talked about. Uh, and I'm sure they would like to uh, show the Broncos that, Hey, that win that we got as fluky as it might've been, it was legit and we are legit and we are, we know what we're doing. We can beat teams 
even the Denver Broncos, who are number one in pass defense, the uh, the no fly zone might still be in effect, and and even in this game, it might be in effect because it'll be windy out there according to the weather conditions. But I honestly think that plays into the Chiefs' hands. I think Andy Reid loves to to have that weird geometry and weird crossing patterns and different screens, bubble screens wide receiver screens, tight end screens, running back screens. Uh, I think he'll mix it up even more than normal, and it'll be just be a, a mad scientist show, uh, and, and you're going to get dizzy looking at all of it, all the angles and, and all the different guys running in and out of the game. Uh, but when you look up, you might see Tyreek Hill streaking down the field one more time to get that one big play after they lure you to sleep with all the other stuff they do. Uh, I remember in that game in week 12, that was sort of Tyreek Hill's coming out party where Macklin was hurt, did not play in that game. And we're kind of wondering what's the Chiefs going to do for offense. They already kind of struggle along, even with Macklin. And here's Tyreek Hill just kind of bursting out of nowhere. And he hasn't stopped bursting ever since. He's continued to burst, and he might burst again in this one. Uh, Yeah, I got to go with the Chiefs. Uh, The three-point line is Honestly, it's stunning to me. I don't know. Uh, I get it. I can't say I don't know why the Broncos get such respect. They are the defending world champions. And Trevor Simeon does seem to have a knack of getting a lot of comeback yardage. He, he's he's good in garbage time, I guess you could say. Uh, but in this one, I, I got so much confidence that the Chiefs are not going to let him come back in garbage time. They're going to, to stuff him down and, and sit on him and, and not let him do what he needs to do to come back. Uh, that I think the Chiefs are going to go up, stay up, go up big, and win this game big. And I'm locking that up. Not that the locks matter, because once again, Jason has already clinched the locks for the season, but that is my lock of the week. The Broncos are definitely going in the wrong direction, and the Chiefs want to get right after that Tennessee game. So I will take the Chiefs, give the three, and lock it up. Well, good. Oh, and you know, a real, real quick addendum here. We, we were talking about addition by subtraction with AJ Derby not being healthy. And it made me remember back to a previous show, the Bulls player that I thought was so terrible every time he came in the game that he would turn the ball over. Do you remember? I couldn't remember the guy's name. And yeah. now I remembered his name. As soon as you were talking about AJ Derby, I started thinking about, man, who's so terrible that I could think of that? It was Michael Ruffin. Oh, yeah. Big bald-headed nobody. He would come in the game, and every time he got his hands on the ball, it would be a turnover to the other team. <laughs> or he'd throw it away. He'd like, throw it three rows. Yeah, just tear. Or he'd try to he'd, – he'd put a move on a guy to go for a dunk, and he'd travel. I mean, it was just guaranteed turnover every time he came. I could see the guy's face, and for some reason, you brought up the whole A.J. Derby thing, and it shook up the cobwebs, and Michael Ruffin popped into my brain. So that was the guy I was talking to. Anybody who listens to our show who was frustrated wanting to know who I was thinking about and talking about on the show, it's probably four or five shows ago, it was Michael Ruffin. So thank you for mentioning that. There you go. Mystery solved. Shout out to Michael Ruffin. And you, and, and you would, of course, agree he was terrible. Oh, hell yeah. Like I said, ball-headed <laughs> yeah. nobody. Put his hands on the ball and immediately dribbled it out of bounds. Uh, Monday <laughs> right night, off, the, off his foot. <laughs> yeah. Off his foot, though. It had to be. It had to be embarrassing. It couldn't just be a turnover. It had to look <laughs> bad too. Or off his face. Uh, the Cowboys and the uh, Lions. Detroit is traveling to Dallas. The second of the uh, visiting the NFC East trilogy. 
I guess there's not a third member of that. There's going to be a division game next week, so Detroit will not be going to uh, to an to an NFC East team. But these two in a row, uh, the legitimacy bowl against the Giants last week, uh, in which the Giants looked more legit, but promptly coughed that up by losing to the Eagles. And now the second part of the legitimacy bowl, where the Lions have to go to what's now has to be called the best team in the NFC by record home field throughout the playoffs. There's no denying what the Cowboys have done and they're going to wrap up the best record in the NFC. They're at 12 and two now looking for 14 and two, unless they decide to not play very hard or decide to put in certain veterans and get the rust knocked off. If you believe certain media accounts, the lions at nine and five are certainly still alive for the playoffs. As a matter of fact, if they win this game in Dallas and if Green Bay has earlier on Saturday lost their game uh, at home against Minnesota, the Lions actually clinch the North. And even without that, they clinch a playoff spot if Tampa Bay loses. So Detroit certainly was something to play for in Dallas. You could argue with nothing to play for, but Detroit is still a six and a half point underdog going into Big D because Big D is Big D and the Lions are not legit at least not according to last week. But I'm going to take the Lions because they have something to play for and the Cowboys do not. And I I almost wish it didn't work that way. I almost wish the Giants would have won the game because I would have made this game so much more important. The Cowboys would have actually cared about this game. I don't know why the Cowboys would care at all about this game. The Lions are not a rival unless you think uh, hosting the Thanksgiving Day games as, as a – 700 year tradition is some sort of rivalry, which I don't think it is. Um, the Lions, the, the, the Cowboys honestly should not really play all that hard in this game. It's been a long season. Two rookies, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Black Jesus earning his title back last week, having one of the more. Uh, one of the more efficient games you can ever come across the second most efficient game uh, for a minimum of 30 pass attempts ever. There's no reason to really go out there and, and do anything like that. Again, they, they should just run the ball a lot with not just Ezekiel Elliott, but he'll probably stand down a little bit and they'll mix in Darren McFadden, uh, Alfred Morris, whoever they got in, in reserve. Uh, they should take it easy. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions to, to cover the spread just because they really need the game and Dallas doesn't care. Yeah, no, I'm going to actually, I'm going with you on this Detroit. We're four for four today. I'm going with uh. you on this Detroit pick with the points. Uh, I, I actually think that even if Dallas strokes it in this game and they do play backups, I'll still take the backups. I still, I, I would still take Tony Romo and Alfred Morris, uh, and as long unless they're unless they're completely swapping out the offensive line and, and playing just scrub offensive linemen, which teams tend to not do, it's usually just the big name skill position guys who get the day off. Um, even if Dak Prescott just plays the first half, and then they do bring in Tony Romo to shake off some rust, or you don't see as much. Uh, you don't see as much Ezekiel Elliott, and it's just Alfred Morris, you know, old man Alfred Morris just, you know, bounding through that line, only only going four or five yards before he gets touched instead of nine or ten yards. Um, I actually like Dallas to win. I just don't like those points. That's a lot of points for a team, really, like you said, playing for nothing. And Detroit, playing for everything, 
just not as talented as Dallas. So I do like Dallas to uh, win the game. And Detroit, uh, even though Detroit, I think, is going to go in there and I think they're going to play hard, I can see them playing tight. I can see them that we, we haven't really seen this Lions team play desperate. And even though they're in first place and, and, and they control their destiny and everything is there, you, I think they feel Green Bay breathing down their neck. Um, and I think I, I would expect to see maybe some mistakes. Matthew Stafford's had to play, like we said, all year. He's got to throw these balls into tight windows with no mistake for error. And I think maybe he plays that game where a couple of those balls end up in Dallas defenders' hands um, because his receivers just cannot get the separation. They're just not winning uh, out there on the field against any of the secondaries that they're playing. So I think that the Cowboys might be able to capitalize here, maybe turn the ball over and get some short fields um, and eke out a win, but not enough to cover the six and a half. It's a big number. It's a big number for a team playing for nothing. Yeah, I think this is one of those. Uh, it, it's something where the the Week 17 bias uh, should be applied here with a team that has a lot to play for against a team with nothing to play for. But, but because it's not Week 17 – that's not being applied. That's not really being looked at. So I honestly think that's an opportunity uh, for the degenerate gambler out there to take a team with a bunch of points that needs the game against a team that doesn't need it. Because if this was week 17 and Detroit had a playoff spot on the line. Oh yeah. And this would be Detroit minus four. This honestly, this would be like Detroit minus four. Yeah. Be close to even, maybe that, yeah, something crazy. It, yeah. it would not be Dallas minus six and a half. There's no way. So maybe this should have been <laughs> but my lock I also of the think, But I also think where you can take the other side of that is that because it's week 16 and not week 17, I don't think that puts the Cowboys in shut it down mode yet. I don't think you'll see them try to take two weeks off. You know, that's they, too hard to do you're right. with all the rookies, especially they're not going to take basically what amounts to, if you think about this, a month off because you've got two weeks and a bye before you play a meaningful football game against a team that's going to have to basically go through wildcard weekend and possibly come into your place on a roll. They're not going to let a rookie quarterback, a, lo- a rookie running back, they're not going to let that team take four weeks off or get a month off, basically. Yeah, I think you're right, but they, they might. It's 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 not out of the realm of possibility that they kind of uh, play guys a lot less than they normally would, which is what I think is going to happen. But, yeah. yeah, as far as just Tony Romo comes in in the second quarter or something like that, no, that's definitely not going to happen this week. <laughs> the thing I'm worried about for Dallas is you know what tends to happen for guys when they're playing at 80% or 70% and they're just kind of stroking mm-hmm. it? Those guys get hurt. Those guys yeah. get hurt. So yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised at that either. On yeah. to the rest of week 16 and even more or less detail. We talked about the Packers. If they lose to Minnesota, Detroit can actually clinch the division. And no one thinks that's going to happen because the seven and seven Vikings are seven point underdogs at the eight and six Packers. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll tell you what, yet? that's a big number. That's a, what's that? Are they off the plane? Yeah, they're off the plane. They're off the plane. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, they were, but they were stuck for a little while there, uh, flying into Green Bay. They slid off the runway. We had a snowstorm today. What do you want me to say? I, I, why do you think I was eating when the show started? I just got home like 20 minutes before the show. 
Uh, it took me like an hour and a half to drive home in a snowstorm tonight. Um, but I'm going to take the Packers. I know that's a lot of points, but they are on another one of those rolls. And, hey, that's Matt Barkley's not walking through that door to cover the number cheaply. That's Sam Bradford. He won't do it. I have to concur. Uh, and Sam Bradford started his season in week two by knocking off the Packers at home 17 to 14. Yeah. And it has not gone very well since then. They, they went out to that no. five and zero record, but it, it really went down the drain in a hurry. So yeah, green Bay is rounding in the form and their defense had been struggling so much, but guess what? They get Sam Bradford in the Minnesota offense. So they get to breathe easy and, and relax a little bit. R E L A X. So I will take the Packers as well. Um, Atlanta and Carolina in an NFC South matchup that uh, definitely did not go the, the Panthers way the first time. That was the 500-yard uh, game for Matty Ice in week four. Um, Atlanta, nine and five, uh, wins the South with a Tampa Bay loss and a victory by Atlanta. They clinch a playoff spot if the Packers or the Lions lose. Uh, Atlanta is a three-point favorite at six and eight Carolina. Yeah, and as far as I know, that's the same Carolina secondary that they rolled into Atlanta with earlier in the year. I'll take the Falcons. I'll give the three. I think that Carolina should be motivated to avenge that prior ass-kicking. This is a rivalry. Remember, this is the team uh, that knocked off the Panthers last year, gave them that one loss in that 15-1 record. Uh, they don't like each other, and I think the Panthers are sufficiently embarrassed by what happened in week four, and I think they're actually going to come back and, and get a, a big win over the Falcons in this one. San Diego and back. Cleveland. Yeah, just a little. Oh, those Cleveland Browns. They're 0-14 now. Only two more games to go to match those Lions for the – 0-16 infamy. Oh, my goodness. I never thought it would come to that. But uh, the 5-9 and nine San Diego Chargers come in. Not very impressive, and the public doesn't think they're very impressive either. They are only four-point favorites at the 0-14 Brownies. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? It could be a weather game. They could be looking at rain. It's going to be sloppy, possibly. It, it's Cleveland. It's cold. It's dreary. Not the ideal conditions if you're the San Diego Chargers that you want to go in and face. I think the weather gives mother nature gives the cleveland browns an assist here and they cover the number and still lose the game <laughs> you would take that <laughs> getting cute with the brown fever would be jason i'm not going to even do that much i'll take san diego and i'll give the four for no other reason than it's the cleveland browns and actually rg3 is like putting it on a new level because at least they were competing with cody kessler and josh mccown uh, but RG3 just looks <laughs> awful. The Tennessee Titans uh, going to Jacksonville, Tennessee at eight and six, right there, still in the playoff hunt and the division title hunt as well. Titans are minus five. Tennessee gives five points at Jacksonville. I think it's a lot of points, but you got a team that just fired their coach. Uh, they're terrible. I'm going to take the Titans here as, as even though I don't like five points because they, 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 like you said, they're afraid to let Marcus Mariota throw the football, but it's a division game. They know each other. I think he gets a little bit of a roll going back here and I need them to keep winning because I don't want Houston in the playoffs. So I'm going to go Tennessee here. Uh, you talk about a team uh, afraid to throw the football. I, this reminds me of the Broncos coming into Jacksonville earlier this season excuse me, in a game where they had to start Paxton Lynch because uh, Trevor Simeon was injured. 
they were definitely afraid to let Paxton Lynch throw the football because he is just not ready right now. And Denver still won the game because the Jaguars are they still awful. covered. Yeah. They still covered. This is a rematch of Week Eight, where Tennessee down in Nashville knocked off Jacksonville thirty-six to twenty-two by running for two hundred and fourteen yards as a team and throwing for two eighty on top of that. Um, so I see something pretty similar to that, and I see them kicking Jacksonville's ass because the Jaguars are dog shit. Here's a big number. You thought five was a big number. Here is the biggest number of the week and one of the bigger numbers of the year. The New York Jets at four and ten. Todd Bowles so distraught by his team that he's going to the hospital and might not be able to coach this game. Yeah. He must have had a Bowles movement. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Four and ten New York. Uh, are 17 point underdogs at 12 and 2 New England. D- didn't this team just almost beat the Patriots a few weeks ago? <laughs> Give me a break. I'll take I'm taking the points. Give me the Jets and the points. It's a division game. Uh New England is still missing a lot of key components and if anything familiarity breeds contempt. That's a lot of points. And New England doesn't care. They they don't have home fields clinched all the way yet but they're really close those two games like i said uh baltimore and denver i think those were tom brady's two big games of the regular season i don't think he was a rat's ass about any of the other games left this year and the jets always play new england tough i definitely concur 17 is way too much for a rivalry game like this one i think the jets have a little more pride than that and they got to play for their coach now right their coach is trying to kill himself or something Uh, the, the Dolphins, uh, no, he, he didn't actually try to kill himself. I don't want to start that rumor, but he is in the hospital. Yeah, he's probably got Dolphins 20 million the, reasons not to. Okay, to, okay, T.O. The Dolphins and the Bills, Miami at 9-5. and five, uh, Win and a – in a it's not Dallas. I can't read my own writing. Denver. Winning a Denver loss clinches a playoff spot for the, for the Dolphins. Uh, they are four and a half point underdogs despite that at the seven and seven Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean Miami's been a nice little story, but the Bills again on their crusade to eight and eight. <laughs> um what was that number again? Is that four and a half I'm looking at here? That's right. Yeah, four and a half. You know what? I'm gonna get cute again. I'm gonna take the Bills oh. to win and not cover. I'm, you know how much I don't like the Bills. I was stunned when I found myself picking this, but I'm actually going to take the Bills and give the points because I think Matt Moore stepping up in, in a little bit of class. He's had some uh, decent outings. He came in uh, for Ryan Tannehill when he first got hurt, and then he had the game against the Jets last week. Uh, I, I don't think the Bills will let Matt Moore do to to them what the Jets let him do, so I'm, I'm actually going to take the Bills. I think the Dolphins are going in the wrong direction. Do you Washington, need a Atlanta or something after saying that? I mean, you just don't you just don't sound good after you just pick that. I got a brown bag waiting right here. I might have to use it in a minute. Uh, Washington and Chicago. Speaking of weather, this might be Fog Bowl too. I was looking at the uh, the weather maps. Yeah, that, uh, another weather game. Yeah, some fog rolling in down there in the windy city, or up there, depending on where you are. 
Uh, the Redskins are seven, six, and one, and trying to fight for a playoff spot still. And they are three-point favorites at the three and eleven Chicago Bears with with your your guy, the the cover machine, the, the human <laughs> cover machine, Matt Barkley. I'm going. I'm taking the Bears. Why not? I think Matt Barkley actually gets the win. I think the Bears win. Oh. The 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 Redskins, yes, they're theoretically still in it, but I don't like teams that take the crippling loss that sort of dashes their playoff hopes the week later. It's not like they get the big bounce back. I think that they're sort of going to come out in that malaise, and right, Barkley is the human cover machine, so I'll take him. I'm tempted to take him as well because he has been a human cover machine, and I'm also scared by that fog. If it's thick enough to make visibility bad, that really hurts the Redskins in their aerial attack. Uh but short of the proof of that happening, and maybe I'll change the pick if I see something like that, but I'm actually going to take the Redskins and give it the three points. They're clearly the better team. They clearly need the game more, and I think Kirk Cousins will have some fun with that Chicago Bears secondary, similar to what Aaron Rodgers did last week. Uh, Arizona and Montgomery show last week. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of fun uh, the, the first three quarters. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Arizona and Seattle in what used to be a fierce NFC West rivalry, but not so much as the Cardinals have faltered, although they had that 6-6 tie earlier this year. 5-8-1, uh, and one, Arizona, nine-point underdogs at 9-4-1 and one, Seattle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that number. I think that's too much for what is going to – if Arizona's going to get up, they're going to get up for Seattle, the team that they love to play. And these two teams always play great games when they're not six to six. Um, but they they always play each other tough. That number is just is way too large, even at home for me. I'm going to take Arizona and the points. I disagree. I would normally agree with something like that, but the Cardinals seem to be really going downhill at a very rapid rate. I even got a stat to back it up. ESPN's pigskin pick'em says the Arizona defense, which has always been one of their strengths, has yielded 2.89 points per drive over the past month. And I don't know how that relates to the rest of the league, except to say that that's dead last. That's DFL in the league over the past month. So I don't know what's happened to their defense, but they seem to be sort of quitting all at once, unfortunately. Well, Drew Brees uh, so happened to them last week. I mean, they got 48 that, on them last that, week. That certainly hurt. Uh, Seattle clinches a bye with the uh, with a win and an errors and an Atlanta and Detroit loss. Um, so I will take Seattle and, and give the nine points. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Tampa is a three and a half point underdog at the Saints. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get off on Drew Brees the way they got off last time. I'm taking the Saints lock of the week. Wow. I was looking at that last uh, game that they had. It wasn't that long ago. It was only uh, only a couple weeks ago that Tampa yeah. won sixteen to eleven, and uh, yeah. that was one. That's, that's one of those games that helped Tampa Bay sort of cement their defense on the rise, uh, and took a little bit of a hit last week against Dallas. But I'm actually going to come back and take uh, Tampa Bay uh, and, and to go into New Orleans and, and win the game. It's, I don't know which Drew Brees is going to show up, but Tampa shut down that one Drew Brees a couple weeks ago. I think they might be able to do it again. Oh, the toilet bowl of the week, San Francisco, one and 13 plus four and a half at four and 10 Los Angeles. If anything, I know 
this will be the Todd Gurley game. Give me the Rams. The, the, the 49ers can't stop anybody on the ground. I, I concur. That's all I can, can say about that. And Cincinnati on Saturday night is plus one. Uh, oh, we were off the air live, so I was trying to get that in before the live, but oh well. Uh, five, eight, it's and one Cincinnati yeah. is the Bengals and Texans. Uh, out of the playoff race are only one point underdogs at the eight and six Houston Texans with the great Tom Savage. Yeah, they make the the switch out of Brock Osweiler to bring in Tom Savage to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and everybody feels good. And hey, is Tom Savage the answer? No, he's not. <laughs> Give me the Bengals. <laughs> I'm going to take Tom Savage and the Texans. I think because I want to see him succeed with New Hopkins and Will Fuller and make Brock Osweiler look even dumber. I think that's the only reason I'm really doing that. <laughs> so you- so you want this to just sort of legitimize the awfulness of them giving him $72 million because Tom Savage is going to come in now and run them into the play. Oh God, please. No, God, please. No, please. Tennessee. Uh, if you're listening, if anybody on the Titans is listening, <laughs> you have to keep winning, keep winning, Tennessee, just keep winning. Houston takes the South this week if they win and the Titans lose. It's just that they, simple. The, the Titans, the Titans can't lose. The Titans have to keep winning. <laughs> I am You're on a lock crusade. Master. You should make the Titans your lock and then ensure that they win. No, <laughs> I almost thought about having Cincinnati as my lock of the week. Almost. Oh. <laughs> hey, Tom Savage, man. He, yeah. he might do it. He he might he played good against the Jaguars, but who doesn't who doesn't play yeah. good against the Jaguars? Oh, I'll tell you who: Brock Osweiler. <laughs> he doesn't play good against the Jaguars, but he doesn't play good against anybody, and that's the problem. He's Ugh. Brock Osweiler. Exactly. Oh, I gas bagged a little too long and cut us off of the live show there. But hey, no one listens live anyway, right? So it's all good. Right. I, I wouldn't recommend anybody listen to the show live because then they miss out on all of this. This witty repartee. Isn't that what Jimbo called Unless it? that one person that was listening to our show was listening to our show just for our take on Cincinnati Houston. <laughs> well, they're just going to have they, to wait they got the jobbed. Yeah, then they got then they got hosed if they were waiting for that. You're gonna have to go to sleep and wake up in the morning and get the podcast and then get our thoughts on it then. Uh, yeah, podcast it usually pops up about an hour or so after the show. Um, it doesn't take too long to get that processed on the blog talk site, and yeah, by the next morning our show is is good to go on any of the podcast uh, sites. Yeah, it's it become up, one of my uh, new things is on the uh, Apple podcast app on my phone. I can, I can plug in, so I've been listening to our shows. I didn't listen to last week's shows. I wasn't going to listen to the 10 minutes of that, but it does. <laughs> that sort of discombobulated the whole rest of the show. When you sign this up, it happens. So the show just just fell your ear. After some like that happens, happens, I know it was like that mixture of like embarrassment, and we felt weird because it was like, oh, oh man, just, nobody's gonna listen now. Anyway, what are you talking about? It's just ten minutes of nothing. 
uh, didn't listen to most normal listen to that show, but nice on this app, app is that I can listen to the show at like one and a half speed, you know, so it doesn't speed up the show enough. It doesn't show up the, the, the doesn't speed up the show enough that we sound, you know, you know like the chipmunks. So it still sounds like our show, and I get to listen to you know, you know in an hour drive to my work, I can get almost a whole show in um, to do that. So yeah, it's actually been it's been, it's been been I don't, I don't think the kids know who the chipmunks are these days. What seriously? Come on, my my daughter knows, and she's only four. She knows who the chipmunks are. There's a lot of chipmunk stuff on there still. Don't sell short the chipmunks, my friend. And happy birthday under- to you. Oh, thank you. Are they on the Cartoon Channel or something? Are they the TV show still on? Because I didn't. Netflix. I seen Netflix, TV in the Netflix is Netflix is uh, invaluable when you have children. So is YouTube. Uh-huh. Although I'm starting to get a little stressed out with the YouTube because my daughter is slick enough to find stuff that she shouldn't be watching now. Ooh. Um. Yeah. It's it, it not not like adult themed stuff. But stuff that's just because there's just so much silliness and stupid stuff on YouTube. Because you can put anything yes. you want on there for the most part. And there's just some stuff that she watches. And it's like, no, you really don't need to be watching this, Trini. You know, so we haven't had her. And one of the shows I listened to is I don't get to hear him enough. That's why I've been going back and listening. It was one of the shows that I listened to is one of the shows where she got on the show and was on it at the beginning. And you're right. It definitely ups the cute factor when she's on the show. Oh, skyrockets it. Yeah, the, the meter breaks. Any any <laughs> any meter that they have for radio for determining how cute the shows are just that just buries the needle whenever she comes on our show. And, and just think, we're only we're not, we're not far away do? from my son crashing the show yeah. either. That's right. Because what you do is you put the headset on her, and I don't know you've done that. So I can be going on a rant that has 800 profanities in it. I have no idea. Oh, and then all of a sudden, I hear her go, hi. And I go, uh-oh. <laughs> what did I just say? Yeah, I got to stop everything in my tracks and turn into Uncle Dre mode and, and just turn all the profanity off. And so, yeah, the, the cute factor absolutely just takes it through the roof. I, I don't... I don't know how many people listen just for that, listen, listening for the third co-host or, or what have you. But it, if we were like one of those really popular like morning zoo shows, there would be an audience for that. There would be like your daughter would have a Twitter handle by now, and it would probably not be <laughs> ran by somebody you'd want to have your daughter's yeah. uh, name as a Twitter handle. But it would happen. She'd have a, a yeah, fan club. Getting... She'd have a Facebook yeah, fan club getting... and everything. We'd be getting calls into the show or feedback saying we show needs more Trini, you know. Mm-hmm. I should have had her just making the picks for me. I should have her pick the games for me for week 17. How would she go about doing that? Did, she doesn't I, does she know I, how to No, I, not at all. What I think <laughs> I'll do is I think I'll go to the store this week. I have to if I think of doing this, this is what I'm gonna do. I will go to the store and I will buy those little helmets <laughs> <laughs> and I'll put two of them down in front of her for each game and have her oh, pick God, like, one. Like she's an animal or something. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I'll find all the logos of each team and I'll cut them up like an art project for her and have her pick which one she likes the most. 
each out of each one. So with animals, like they take like the two helmets and they put like food in both of them, and whichever the one that they eat out of, that's the pick that they make. So <laughs> well, you take two helmets, put ice cream in both of them, and whichever yeah, one she decides. Which one to does eat. she eat the ice cream? Yeah, here this one's got. They both got an M M&M and M in it. Which one are you going to eat the M M&M and M out of first? Because um, <laughs> she's going to eat them both. That's the correct answer. So. Um, the yeah, big part we have about a that dime. is for most seasons that would beat me. Not this year, yeah. but for most seasons she would she would beat me doing that. I'm, I promise you. Well, this is only week 17 because it doesn't matter how good your season or my season, any season ever goes. Week 17 is always the great equalizer. That's right. I had completely forgotten that next week is is our guest picker, uh, the the wonderful yeah. queen. Yeah, you're just on such a roll. You forgot what week 17 can do to you. I probably would have seen it looking back at, at last year's week 17 or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, for any new listeners, week 17 is such a random. Now, every week is a coin flip, so to speak. But week yeah. 17 is years we've discovered is such a coin flip because there's so many teams that are playing half-ass that are teams that are playing guys that you never heard of, uh, that are benching their starters after they play the first quarter or two series or something like that. And just as a lark, we decided we, our records in in week 17 throughout the year used to be like just the drizzling shits, like four and 12, five and 11 was like the norm for either one of us for week 17. And so what I started doing was just sitting there and for every game, I I, I started taking a coin in week 17 and flipping a fucking coin and heads is the, uh, I forget if I do heads is home and tails road. Or I, I think I do heads is the favorite and tails is the underdog. Right. And I just, is the and favorite. I just and it's a, a dime. It's a dime. It's, a, it's always a dime for no because reason. The very the first time, time I did it. You, yep. You reached up into your pile of change that was on top of your computer desk and you grabbed a dime. a dime. And ever since you, then, it's always been a dime. And it's only in week 17. We don't pull this out any other time of the year. And most seasons, the coin wins. Mm-hmm. The coin beats the one coin of us in... guaranteed, at least one almost of us. Every, and yeah. some years both. It's, yeah. yeah. And sometimes soundly. Yes. <laughs> like 12 and 4 to, to our 4 and 12 or something like that. So, yeah, yeah I got definitely uh, got to remember to look for, for, for my lucky dime. And, and so get can... your coin flipping skills, you know, get them That's going. Right. Gotta make sure it actually That's next flips. Week. Didn't some referee flip a coin for a game for an overtime or something and it didn't flip and he had to reflip it or something like that? I, yeah. I, I think he yeah, made it up on the spot. Up in the air, landed down flat down. on the ground exactly the same way he flipped it. Like So his coin flipping practice wasn't very good. And because NFL referees are so adept at bullshitting you, uh, he made up on the spot that that didn't count. I have to reflip it because the coin act- has to actually flip in the air. And then we found out later after the game that's not actually true. There's no up. rule? No, there's no <laughs> coin flipping rule. He just didn't think it was fair. He's the referee. His job is fairness. If he says it, it's it. No, his job is bullshit and making up stuff on yeah. the fly. Or at least right. it seems that's what his job is. Yeah, I mean, if he flips the coin and says, you know, hey, a guy can flip a coin and one guy says tails, he just goes, yeah, heads is the call. Jerome Bettis is still upset about that. That's, that was our buddy. Was that our buddy Phil Luckett? I believe so. 
with the infamous Part coin flip very, uh, very yeah. resume to uh, to make himself your one of your Hall of Infamy inductees. <sighs> yeah, he, he he's not as bad. Did he make it? Yes, you you inducted him. I he did. He was in I your did because, class. Yeah, um, because if I'm not mistaken, he had uh, like a very sordid history that went way beyond yeah. not just the coin flip. Yeah, he was involved in everything. He had a list. That be- yeah. No. Yes, he did. Uh, yes, he did. So. Yeah. Well, any, anything else going on? Did you, did you get yourself something? Did your wife get you something nice for your birthday? She did. Uh, she got me this. She's this is her style of of clothing. Uh, but she, so she bought it for me for her because she's oh, what okay. she wants wait, to wait, see wait, me wait, in. Wait. Oh wait. She bought you women's clothing? Uh, no. It's uh, when I say oh, her style oh, okay. of clothing, it's what she prefers ah. to see on a man. So that's okay. why she bought it for me. It's, it's it's not that I said I like this style or I really want this uh, piece of clothing. She bought it for me because she thinks I will look good on it. Uh, I, I don't judge. Rather. I don't judge. It, it's not. It's not lingerie. It's not women's clothing or, or anything like that. No, it's just. <laughs> it's, it's a long sleeve shirt. As uh, she calls it, the rugby style shirt. It's just a shirt that's got a big horizontal stripe across the middle of it, and she really likes that style of shirt. And that's what she bought okay. me, and it and it fit well. And I actually wore it to work today and, and got compliments on it. So oh. uh, apparently it does. Usually the big guys like us, you know, shouldn't be wearing the horizontal stripes. Yeah, if it's like a bunch of stripes, like a, a Frederick rerun Stubbs type thing on, on what's happening or something like that, that's not good. But uh, <laughs> but the rugby style with like the one stripe in the middle, that's actually okay. kind of cool. That, that's actually okay. kind of makes you looks looks like you know you're one of those British toughs walking around uh, trying to get a fight in get into a fight in a pub or something. So it kind of makes you look a little tough. So I, I think that's so did you go to an, did you go to an Irish pub and pick a fight? I did not. Um, I, I was uh, very happy to go to work and come home tonight and, and get some barbecue on my way home. Uh, but that's all I did oh. for for today. Anyway, last night, of course, I went to we. She took me out to dinner at a restaurant called Houston's, which I think is a chain. I think the I think there's more than one Houston's around the country, but here in Memphis, I think this is the only one. Um, and we went, that was my request. That was me wanting to go to Houston's because the one and only time we went a few years ago, I ordered a, a, a bone-in prime rib and it was the best prime rib I'd ever had. And I assumed that it was something to do with the extra flavor of having it being bone-in. So I went back this time because I wanted to try the bone-in prime rib again and it wasn't quite as good. Uh, and now I, I get to get my man card revoked because I tell you why I think the prime rib wasn't as good to me this time. It's because I think after the fact, I realized that the first time I ordered it, I think I ordered it well done. And this time I ordered it medium well. And I think that makes the difference for me. I, guys, the rarer, the better. I understand it makes you more manly. It makes you feel like a tough man if you going to get steaks rare and medium rare and all that stuff. I can't stand meat that's that's not cooked very, very well done. I like well done beef. I, that's just what I what I prefer. It's what I've always liked. And I, I only started to do like medium well the last few years or so because my wife has pretty much shamed me into it and as well as the rest of society. Uh, 
but I don't really like it when there's there's pink or or whatever in there. I I like it brown. I like it charred. I like it, you know, almost burnt. That's just how I prefer it. So I think what happened was I was still ordering steaks and prime ribs well done uh, a few years ago when we went to Houston's, but this time I did not order it uh, well done, and I think that made all the difference. Ah, where I like my meat medium. You know, I like. Yeah. You know, a little, you know, good flavor on the outside, juicy, juicy meat, juicy on the inside. So not bloody. Yeah. I don't want to cut it open and just have (laughs) blood come pouring out of my, uh, my steak or my prime rib, but usually medium guys like that. So, but you know, well done though, means you like it. You just, you want it charred. You just, you just, you want to taste the burnt taste. Yeah, so um, I like that, that. Yeah, char. I like that char flavor. And you want to chew it for a week. <laughs> that, that's my wife's main argument against it is, is that you can't really chew it because it's, it's so tough. I don't. I don't need shoe leather, but yeah, I love. I love the char flavor. And if it takes chewing a little more to get through it, that's fine. But I just prefer that flavor when it's closer, closer to rare or whatever, that makes it feel like I'm, I'm Hannibal Lecter and I'm just chewing on an arm or something. I don't like that taste. Not fair enough. Um, I, I think that's what happens that I had it well done before, but it, I, I still ate it. I still ate the whole damn thing. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> you paid for it. You might as well eat it. Exactly. I didn't hate it. I, it wasn't like, oh my god, I can't just. If it was that disgusting, I wouldn't have finished it. But I, I finished it. It was still, it was still good enough for me. Uh, so, so that that was my birthday. Very low key and just out to dinner with my wife and then back home and and watching some really bad football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah, what I caught of that game last night was just just so uninspiring. It didn't leave me feeling like, oh yeah, I gotta. I, I think those Giants, they're going to go. It's funny because the narrative before the game was, oh, like we were talking about, the Giants, they're, they're primed. This is just like uh, their Super Bowl. And then the, all day today it was, oh, the Giants, are they exposed? Are they fake? It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> NFL media coverage is so ridiculous just because of the small, you know, the short number of games that they play, the shortness of the season, the 16 games. Nobody's going 16-0. and 0. It, Nobody, you know. Nobody's going undefeated here. Somebody's going to have losses, and when they lose, they look bad. There's there's going to be a team that's good. I'll tell you what. The team that wins the Super Bowl will have multiple losses. At some point during the season, we would have wondered, are they fake? It's like, oh, man. Give me a break, that's a promise, you guys. Folks. <laughs> promise you, the Super Bowl winner will have multiple losses. Yes. Uh, the guarantee. The NFL media is... Is, is horrible with certain teams. It's those NFC East teams that we talked about right off the bat. Uh, you start there and you move on to what the Patriots have become over the past decade and a half of dominance. Um, and after that, it, it's just any pretty much anyone East after after those two entities, the, the NFC East, uh, including the Cowboys, and then the Patriots, and then anybody that plays out East – it's it's ridiculous. The overhyping, the the taking every loss so hard, the the propping up every win as the the greatest thing that you've ever seen. You take a team, you take the the Rams, uh, you take the uh, the Forty Nine ers used to be a glamour franchise uh, at 
you know, after what Bill Walsh and Joe Montana did to them, but of course now they're shit. But you, you take any team like that that's out west or or somewhere that no one really gives a fuck about them. No one gave a rat's ass about the Saints before they won a the Super Bowl uh, with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Uh, it was part of the reason they became uh, one of my favorite teams uh, when I was a kid was just how overlooked they were and how good they were. And people, no one really talked about them because they played in new Orleans, but I'm sitting there watching every game that they played. And I still remember the team that made me fall in love with them. It was the, the Sam Mills, Ricky Jackson, Pat Swilling defense that beat the fuck out of you. And man, I love that team. And, and you became a fan of the Falcons and I'm not going to speak for why you became a fan of the Falcons, but maybe that played a little part in it as well. Is that a team that you are watching and you're admiring what they're doing, but they're not getting any press at all because they play in Atlanta. And I don't know. I'm I'm completely putting that in your mouth. I have no idea why you became a Falcons fan, but maybe that has something to do with you. But any team that's not out east does not get the, the coverage. If you're not a, a franchise like the Bears or the Packers that has such a huge history in the NFL, you just don't get the same coverage as those those Eastern seaboard teams do. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I know we covered this a, probably a year or two ago or some point on the one in one of our 160-plus or we're coming up on 200 shows. Would you believe that? We're coming up. Uh, we're very quiet. We're very quietly coming up on our 200th show, but somewhere in those previous shows, I did discuss uh, a game. It was I found it in Wikipedia, and it was a game that was televised that we would have never normally gotten, which was the Bills and the Falcons. And this oh, was yeah. you know Jim Kelly, Kelly and did. Chris, you know Jim Kelly Bills and the Chris Miller Falcons, and it was such an entertaining game. And after watching mid 80s and late 80s bears football for so long i it was like i was watching something else i was like what am i seeing <laughs> i'm seeing teams scoring points and 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 some and high flying action and then personalities on the teams and it was just I, I i ended up just falling in love with the falcons and i also really liked those bills teams i always had a lot of fun watching you know, the Jim Kelly kind of K-gun, even though they lost all those Super Bowls, I, I admired what they did. Um, you know, and, and nobody nobody will do what they did. Nobody, nobody's going nobody's gonna to win the title. Uh, no one's going to win the conference title four years in a row and lose the Super Bowl all four times <laughs> ever. But it's not easy to even go to the Super Bowl for four straight years. So it's good to see those guys getting recognition and getting into the Hall of Fame. But yeah, watching that game sort of put the Falcons on my radar. And I would always find myself, you know, waiting to see their highlights or checking them out in the box score. Um, you know, and I just always and then I just found myself, you know, learning about like the history, just sort of becoming a fan of that team. And then I remember the the first year I had direct TV was, you know, 1998 when I got the NFL package. It was the first time I was able to all season long watch every Falcons game and they went to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. It used to just be once in a while, a prime time. Yeah. Once in, yeah, that, that 98 team that went to the Super Bowl was the one year I actually was able to watch my, my team and actually just watch them and you know with them and with the media now i can see almost anything i want anytime i want um but back then it was just oh just a little bit of highlights on 
couple of highlights on Sports Center or on, you know, the George Michael Sports Machine, and here's, you know, 30 seconds clip. Um, yeah, but that's some sort of how I, I remember sitting in my bedroom when the Falcons were playing in prime time and being able to, if I held my radio just right, picking up 7.50 a.m. WSB Atlanta and listening oh to their local, looking, listening to their home call on my, on my little, it was a little black dual cassette uh, radio. And, you know, we had the lower apartment, so I'd have it sitting like in the window with the window open. And I would, if I adjusted the antenna or held the antenna just right, I could actually pick up 750 out of Atlanta uh, to listen to the Falcons games. Oh, the youngsters that are listening right yeah. now going, what is an antenna? I, what is yeah. a radio? What are you talking yeah. about? And I found myself just not enjoying the Bears. I was so bored by the Bears. I just found myself just not enjoying their games at all. There you go. It it obviously never got ingrained in you to be all about the Bears or Dob Bears. That gets into your bloodstream if you're in Chicago, unless you just find a way to, to resist it and like something else uh, about football. Uh, but there, there, there's sort of an indoctrin- indoctrination that goes yeah. on with, and I think that's everywhere. That's every local franchise that yeah. if you don't like that team that's, that that's in your city, then everyone kind of looks at you like, what's wrong with you? Uh, but yeah, some people just don't like that local team. Uh, you felt the same yeah. way about and the this- Chicago bulls after a while. Yeah, I got. I think there were people who got tired of the Bulls. I, I kind of got tired of the Bulls. Um, I didn't stop rooting for them, but I got you know it was like they won so much you almost got bored with it. I didn't. Um, because it was almost like it was following the same script all the time. I was like, once you'd seen it, you'd just like, oh, seen that. Yep, I know it's gonna happen. Yeah, they're gonna. They're gonna they're gonna be down huge in game six, and then they're gonna come back and they're gonna <laughs> put in the scrubs and they're gonna win. It was just it, somebody's gonna hit a big three. I mean, it was almost like bang, bang, bam every time with those Bulls teams. It was like you just knew it was gonna happen. It was like this inevitable thing. I'm you almost had to feel like the team that they were playing had to feel too. Like, oh no, here we go again. Oh, the Utah um, Jazz yeah. got sick of the Bulls way before you did. Yeah. <laughs> But the in the late you know the late eighties where I think that game was eighty eight or eighty nine um, that Bills Falcons game that I saw that I was talking about the funny thing is is you know we were old we were you know nine in eighty five when the Bear, everybody was a Bears fan in in eighty five yep I mean we were you know we were nine we didn't nobody knew any better I mean you were just riding that wave I had my I had my cassette my cassette of the Super Bowl shuffle again, you know, showing my age. I had my vinyl. I had yeah. my 45 well, you had version. On, you had it on 45. I had it on cassette. Um, yep. And that cassette got worn out. That video would play all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it would. That song in the was middle of horrible. You put, you put that on. <laughs> oh, my God. That song was terrible. You look at the free. We all loved it. I remember all, all of us in, in school. In school, we were singing that thing. I may be young, but I'm no dumb cookie. 
Uh, you're saying that rapping wasn't exactly uh, worthy of a Grammy back then? You know, and that sort of began the thing with the with the teams producing their own song. It, it, that, is that yeah, the only time, though, that, it, bears, that it, yeah. yeah, but is that the only time a team actually did it and backed it up? I'm wondering. It can't be the only time that the winning team had a video that they produced beforehand, but it, there's no doubt it was the most popular and successful. And I'm pretty sure it was yeah. the first time it had, it had been done. So when you're the first to try it and it works, yeah. you're always going to be remembered for that. And then, yeah, there's a lot of others that tried it after that that failed. I don't. I, I got to think somebody tried it and succeeded, but it, it's not the same thing. It's nowhere near yeah. the same thing. I could, I could, I, I can, I, I, I'm sensing a Hall of Fame, Hall of Infamy induction some year for the Super Bowl Shuffle. Oh, I never thought of that. There's so much in there with concerning the Chicago Bears already because I'm such a big Bears fan. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That, that that would make a, a great induction. We've we've got all sorts that, of that, objects that would, in there. We can we can put a record. We can put, right, well, yeah, we can put the, a vinyl that can go into the it. that can go into the we have the media wing now, right? We have the sort of the you know the the, the we had the quotes out there. We had the quotes, but that can yeah, that can sort of morph itself into sort of like a media wing. You know, we we have we've had sport. Did you put Jimmy the Greek in? Um, you put no, you put Jimmy the Greek I, in. I did, yeah. <laughs> but come on, you have to. I mean, it's the Hall of Infamy. How can you not have it? He's the grandfather of what we do. He's or the grandfather the of what Rush Limbaugh did. What we do. Huh? He was also the grandfather of what Rush Limbaugh does. The, uh, did, yeah, and Rush Limbaugh did, did also ESPN, inducted too. into our Hall of Infamy. Yes. It, it, he was a inaugural inductee into the Hall of Infamy. Although the yeah, very remember, first I member, your, I think your title for Rush Limbaugh was Rush Limbaugh Blowhard. Yeah, Celebrity Blowhard. Uh, yeah, the very first induction, though, I remember into the Hall of Infamy was a punter. <laughs> Just because we were right. going to show right there, very first time we did it, that the uh, that we were not serious. We were serious about not, about being not serious. We take being not, not serious honor, seriously. Great Chris Hansen uh, chopping that wood, by yes. chopping his almost chopping his leg off, hitting himself with an axe while trying to motivate his team. You have that. That should be that's yeah. He's got he's he's. I wouldn't even. I don't even know if people get a bust in our Hall of Infamy. I think just the axe should be in the Hall of Infamy. <laughs> the the bloody axe. The bloody axe. That's right. Oh God, that is just all time stupid. Yeah. So yeah, Hall of Infamy uh, is you this year or me? This will be me. you. It's me. This I can't believe it's summer. been two years since I did it. <laughs> That's exactly what I say every time it's my turn. Like what? I, I it feels I like I it. just did this. I thought I just did this with all of my quotes. And no, sure enough, you had one in between. Wow. Yep, I came back last year. Or, well, yeah. earlier this year, I guess I would say. And I'm doing I'm doing good on those. I, I'm doing good. Um, I, I don't think I will have trouble. We never have trouble. There's always something oh, no. that we can put in there. So I don't think I'll be having trouble this year. Finding well, there's people that make themselves infamous that just got in the league. 
these these rookies are doing such dumb stuff now. Uh, we got this guy, uh, the, uh, Mr. Floyd in in New England, Michael Floyd. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the video of the arrest? It's it's we it's yeah it oh it looks first of God. all it looks like it, it, it looks like Blair Witch Blair Witch footage almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks that bad. Oh. I mean, so it's like, are you telling me it's 2016, almost 2017, and we can't get anything other than this grainy Blair Witch kind of footage of uh, of Michael Floyd staring up at the camera, just looking just just oh. scratched out of his mind. Like he was so startled when he got woken up by that cop. Like what? Who? What? Hey, what? What? What's going on? We thought it was the Blair Witch. They <laughs> could not keep himself alert and awake the entire night. Just kept falling, slumping back, and looking around. They're begging him, "Put your hands on the <laughs> steering wheel," and he puts them on there for like a half second. It takes them right back off, and it's like, "Dude, put your hands." I'm nap. like getting scared. I'm getting scared yeah. for him. So like, we have a we have a video. Head. I was gonna say we have a video of when Trini was a baby. Uh, we used to, this is when you when your first one's born, you videotape everything. I could sure. we hardly pull the now that we have Grant, we hardly pull the the camcorder out. I feel so bad for this kid because my daughter's got like just hours and hours and hours of meaningless footage of her just doing the most menial things. And my son, we hardly have any videos. Like, oh, it's Christmas. Let's pull out the camera. All right, let's put it away for until next Christmas. Um, but then we've been trying to do a little bit better, getting a little bit more video of the both of them together. But we have a video of of Amber, you know, my wife feeding Trini, and uh, during the middle of the feeding, because this is still when she's spoon feeding, she's like just dozing off and falling asleep, oh. and just drifting <laughs> away. And then she'd pop her head back up, and my wife would put the spoon in her mouth, and she'd take a little chomp on it. But as she's chewing. She's falling asleep and the food's like <laughs> dripping down onto her bib, and then she pops her head back up again and wait. Oh, yeah, I, I'll find this video and send it to you. It's it's just hilarious. It's just over, and you can hear my wife laughing while she's recording this of my daughter just dozing off, just drifting away so off. Auditioning for her first DUI. Yeah. And then after the, about the third or fourth time, the head just finally goes right down into her. Uh, her chin goes right into her <laughs> chest, and she's just breathing you know just out yeah just asleep done and uh yeah that, that's sort of yeah she's, she's practicing to to be picked up by the cops apparently well that's what floyd looked like for those of you that haven't seen the video that he just he doesn't really fall back asleep after he gets woke up it's first of all it takes him forever to wake him up they're tapping on his window and he's just not responding like he's just out and they finally like pound on the window with their fists and that's what startles him awake and at that point he's like what the you know what's going on and they're trying to give him instructions sir keep your hands on the wheel sir keep your and he just he, he just didn't know how to, to to keep doing that he would put his hands on the wheel and he would take them off immediately looking around trying to figure out and, and begging the, the officer to let him go home or whatever it's like you're not going anywhere my friend you are absolutely not going anywhere we got uh xfinity comcast as our cable or whatever they have a nice uh cute little commercial out where they have a guy that's going through hell because he's at a, uh, at a dinner with his company and he, it's like the last place he wants to be. 
and uh, you know you got people dancing in his face and, and going crazy and he just doesn't want to be there at all and he's in the bathroom and he's sort of talking to himself he's scrolling through his app it's for xfinity so he's scrolling through his phone looking for things to watch because you can apparently watch anything anywhere with xfinity unless it's a live fucking sporting event in which case when you click on it it says for in-home viewing only oh so, nice commercial yeah, nice commercial telling you that you can watch anything anywhere live except it's a lie. Anyway, the commercial go uh, where the guy is scrolling through his phone on the bathroom and he's like, am I getting out of here soon? And like a voiceover guy says, you're not going anywhere. And he just goes, I'm not going anywhere. Because he realizes he's with his job and he's not going to be able to go anywhere. Michael Floyd was actually, it sounded like trying to convince the officers to just let him go. Like, I don't know what he was thinking, but... You're not going anywhere, dude. You're you're. It's over. It's you're, this whole thing is finished, and you just need to listen to the officers and do what you're supposed. But he was so drunk that he couldn't um, understand and comprehend what the officers were were trying to tell him, and he kept taking his hands off. And finally, the officer, I could do, okay, get, call the other officer over. Will you keep an eye on his hands so I can open this car door and get this idiot out of here because he doesn't know what he's doing. So that could have really, really turned out bad for Michael Floyd. Yeah, I, I would say so. But keep your hands on the wheel. I was, I, it was like a, it was like a snuff film. I was watching it, like scared for him. I know the outcome. I don't. I know that he didn't get shot to death, but I was scared for him because he refused to follow the officer's instructions to keep his hand on the wheel. I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't take your hands off the wheel. You're going to get shot. What are you doing? Ugh. It's like you're waiting so, for the a different outcome every time you watch that video. Yeah. You're like, oh no, is this, really is this the video where he gets blown away by the cops? So I'm thinking that he was going to make his, his debut last week in Denver and do you know n- nothing complicated. Just run a couple go routes or slant routes or something like that. And he didn't even do that much. They deactivated them before the game, and, and the, the Patriots still won anyway. But looking at that video now and listening to some of the comments that Bill Belichick was making as if they didn't really know that his blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit and that he's up for this sort of extreme drunk driving charge in Arizona, which is worse than just regular old drunk driving. I think it carries a maybe a 45 day jail sentence as a minimum or something like that. Sounds like, it sounds like Belichick didn't know that it was that bad. I'm not so sure Floyd ever plays a down for the new England Patriots now. And and once they cut him loose, I'm not so sure he ever gets a a real legit chance to play for the, uh, in the NFL again, because somebody will bring him in uh, next year's camp but if he doesn't just completely ball out and go crazy, which he can, he physically he's capable of it, but I don't know mentally if he's going to be in that state, and I don't know how fast he's going to adapt to whatever system, whatever camp he goes to. If he washes out there uh, at next year's training camp and doesn't make a team out of camp, that might be it for him. I, I'm, I'm kind of worried that we might have actually seen the last of Michael Floyd, and that would be a real shame because he's a hell of a wow. football player. Yeah, I mean, all all is this is this multiple DUIs for him? Was this yeah? The first he's got one? a problem. No, he's got a okay. problem. It's a disease. It is. It's a disease. It's a disease. You know, you can't. I mean, there's guys in the league who've done a lot worse than have a drinking problem. Unfortunately, though, 
you know, if he has a problem, he gets behind the wheel of a car and he gets someone killed. It's usually not yourself. Usually you get somebody else killed. Um, that's that's no good. Yeah, about 20 of those guys that have done worse in the league are sitting on my little list uh, uh, that sits next to my computer here as potential future uh, Hall of Infamy inductees. So I'm still waiting for the right moment to do them. They're, they're waiting. I was about to say, are you still waiting for Michael? Is Michael Floyd slowly creeping his way towards that list? I would have to think so. This is pretty infamous. Or at least at least his Blair Witch video might make it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was creepy. And you wonder no, how so, that gets put out. Who puts the, who puts the, who just makes the decision to put that video out? That has to be the cops, doesn't it? I don't think yeah. Floyd's in possession of that. Oh, no, I, I don't think be... you get a free hop. You don't get a free <laughs> copy of the home game. <laughs> they don't throw the, the VHS at you as you get uh, released from jail. Hey, here's your arrest. Thanks for the know. memories. <laughs> 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 I think that has to be the cops release that. Unless an eight by ten framed mugshot, yeah, <laughs> you can put up <laughs> and a Christmas ornament sized one. You know, you can order many copies of. You can order the five by eights if you want for an extra fee. Uh, just, <laughs> it's that's like your. It's like your little bag. Papers. Yes. Wow. Just send, send that envelope back to us with the proper postage, and then send that check along, and we'll have those. Uh, those extra mug shots ready for you and, and sent right to your house. I, I don't think it works that way. No, that's either you the police. All your family, you can give all your, cut them up and give all your family the wallet sized ones, you know? Oh, yeah. and here's my boy. Here's my boy in jail. <laughs> do they still do that at school? I'm, I'm sure they do. Yeah, because uh, even though my daughter and son are only you know, technically in you know pre-kindergarten and uh, daycare, they they did have photos come through and already we, we got to pick it. Yeah, well, that's already done. Yeah, we got to, and we got to pick which ones we wanted and how many and what size and they're ridiculously expensive. But they basically did school like school photos, you know. So yeah, that's still a thing. That's I know my nieces, you know, my oldest niece is 16 and then they, they range anywhere in school ages anywhere now from 5 to 16 and yeah, we've got every year we get one we get at Christmas we'll probably get some on Sunday to to you know in a in a Christmas card of their pictures and they go up on the fridge all their updated ones. So yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah, every school picture that I did from preschool all the way through I think second grade the pictures were completely useless because the flash would hit and my eyes would close and I could not keep them open. <laughs> I'm, not until third grade or so could I keep my eyes open through the flash. My eyes are closed at every single bit. Yeah. They're all ruined. And I and I always have I always envision all of our school pictures from the from the uh, from the Skinner days, our grade school days, that you always sort of had to like this lean in your picture. Well, I've I've been kind of a big guy all my life. I, I can't help but yeah, lean. But you were you, you were like standing up so straight. You kind of had like you were standing up so straight. You started leaning because you were standing. <laughs> you and I were always in the you and I were always in the back row with the tall kids. That's right. Me, so, you, and and Stephanie, the tallest of all of us. Yeah, yeah. the girl. Yeah. 
Like her, yeah. both her parents was, were like seven feet tall like, or something like that. But yeah, but you know, by like fifth, sixth grade, we caught up to her. She was she wasn't the tallest kid in the class. I don't think by that point automatically. I think she was still taller than us by maybe an inch or two at that point. But in wow. third grade, she was taller than us by like half a foot. Yeah. She's a tall girl. Yeah. Yeah, big girl. I actually see her on Facebook every now and then. She's like a hairdresser, I believe. Yeah, I have seen that. And and all you think of is the shuttle run. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We we were so so bad. All of us lined up laying on the floor, just head bobbing. Yeah, Stephanie, you know, in addition to being the tallest girl, was also the earliest developed girl. <laughs> and so pretty much anything like she did grade. running in class was like, yeah, get your popcorn ready, basically. So Yeah, it's not a, <laughs> that's not anything a bunch of fourth and fifth graders, you know, should be exposed to. Um and we weren't subtle about yeah, it. That was a thing. Yeah, we got talked to about it, didn't we? All of us. It was like a group. It was like a group shaming. It wasn't just even individual shaming. It was a group shaming. Well, if we had a male gym teacher, it might not have been something. But having a lesbian for a gym teacher, yeah, yeah, she definitely did not. (laughs) uh, But that was back before we knew what that was. We didn't know that was a thing. We had no idea that she was a lesbian. We just knew that she was a woman that acted a whole lot like a man. Right. Yeah, yeah, I had the man hands and everything. She had the man hands. Yeah. It looked like the a man, man arms. Like, yeah, like she was like ripped. <laughs> man you know. Yeah. Sweet lady. I mean, great lady. I mean, we're not we're not judging at all already because we just didn't know. We 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 you know we're we're no you're, you're seven or eight years old. You had no idea that's a thing. Nope. I, we you left know. school and didn't know. No, that was one of those where you go back in hindsight and you're like, Exactly. I was about to say, after we went back together and visited the school and and talked to her and we kind of looked at each other afterwards and went, oh my God. The haircut, everything. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even know. We didn't know what that was. We paid no attention to it at all. We had no idea. We just knew that she acted very mannish. Manish, <laughs> but we had no. We just, yeah. You, like I said, you're, you know, this was before it was a big deal. You know, before it was, you know, before it was a thing. It was just something. It was just, that she was just who she was. And we didn't know. We didn't care. You know, her gym teacher all six years. We, you know, had lots of fun in gym class. We had some crazy games that she came up with. I remember playing some crazy shit. Like you, you could play. You would be play basketball, but nobody could shoot the ball till you completed three passes, and yes, so the I scores always that. ended up being like a. And the score always ended up being like a zero-zero tie. Right. Because <laughs> then we, by I the time playing, you get to the third pass, someone's already intercepted it, and it's just dribbled yeah. away or and we played off someone's we leg. We played football in the gym because it would be too cold, so we played football in the gym the one uh, for a few, a few times. And I remembered it was winter, and we're in the gym. We, we apparently didn't have a very big gym because no, they had gym. It, it was, was like tiny, football remember. mixed with it was tiny. We had like football mixed with soccer, so you had like a goalie, and the whole point was that you had to throw the football to the other goal, but you had to do it like with football for me. It was so stupid. All I remember <laughs> is I was goalie, 
and the other goalie was Renard. And I'd get the ball. I'd just throw the ball to him on the other side of the gym. <laughs> and he'd catch it. That's when I realized, man, I'm pretty good at throwing a football. Because uh. I was the only kid throwing the ball from one end of the gym to the other. Then once I started doing it, it was like, okay, then other ones started to, you know, like, you know, Ernest and some of these other kids, all the, you know, the big, all the kids with the big arm w- would start throwing the ball. It was like, wow, this game is easy to win. This, well, this is easy. All I have to do is just get the ball. I'll throw it to the guy on the other side of the gym. Touchdown. And yeah. That would be Renard from, uh, from football fan rush radio. Yeah. I remember, uh, I, I remembered playing, uh, in that gymnasium where the right fielder was basically standing right next to the second baseman. Yeah. Well, the gym was so because tiny again. It was really the gym small. was so tiny that if you ran to first and overran the bag, you, you went face first into the wall. <laughs> yes. You had to hard stop at first base on the gym floor. You better, you right. better have good. And I also shows. remember that if you if you hit the ball really hard and it bounced off of that short wall and came back and you caught it on the fly, that person was out. <laughs> yes. You see, we had some amazing house rules in that in that gym. But uh yeah, I had a lot I just now they think about it, it's like maybe a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun at that place. Uh, I guess that's why she was a gym teacher so many years there because she had all those games and knew all those rules. She knew a lot of, she knew so much about sports. She knew so much more than all the boys in the class did. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. She's the one that's that's quizzing us on the positions of every sport. That's how I knew what a forward guard and center was in basketball was because she gave us written yeah. tests on it. We had to lay down on the floor in gym class with a piece of paper and a pencil and actually take this written tests before we could even play the sports. We had to know yeah. what the positions were, what functions they served and all that. Yeah. Yeah. In so, more ways than one, apparently. I remember being in the gymnasium. I remember being in gym class uh, when they uh, either announced over the loudspeaker or somebody came into the room and told us that Harold Washington died. We were in gym. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being in gym. It's like I remember being uh, just sitting in the Miss, Miss Allen and sitting in the fourth grade class when all of a sudden Mr. Dominic comes running into the room uh, yelling that the space shuttle oh, no. exploded. Oh, no. then they what did, did they wheel the TV? And then they rolled the, the TV in. Watch it. Yeah, they rolled, they rolled the TV like into the this? room. And as soon as she turned on the TV, it was a highlight. It was like a replay of the thing blowing up, and she just and our, yeah. and our teacher just starts crying, just starts crying. Um, that was a horrible yeah, thing, just, and you know, and, yeah. But we're looking at each other like, why are we watching this? <laughs> it was so awkward. Yeah. The whole room was silent. It was, and it, it, what you don't realize is that's like a week after the Bears had just won the Super Bowl. Goodness, yeah. Did you realize that that was like six? days or seven days about after the pairs won the Super Bowl. It was like within a week. Mm. You just don't think about those things in that perspective that way. Yeah, I just remember I could I, I could envision where I was even sitting in the class. And all of a sudden I just remember turning my head and he just runs in like out of breath. Yeah. And uh yeah that's my only memory of Mr. Dominic by the way. <laughs> Did, so here's no, what I'm thinking. Did he, did he do that to every classroom? Did he run in every room? He may have. 
Think well, about we that. Because we read in our room, he was, he's out of breath. Well, we had a TV in the room. But yeah, I remember we had this the TV cart. <laughs> that right. 20, about 25, 27-inch gigantic tube TV. She just wheels it into the middle of the room and plugs it in. And yeah, as soon as that picture gets stops being fuzzy, boom. We're like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> you know, shit. wow. Whoa. Were there humans that's in what that we watched. Uh, oh, my God. Well, yeah. yeah, that's what we watched that day. Yeah, so... Just that crazy! All of a sudden, I'm getting all these uh, these 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 Skinner memories now. Get that Skinner spirit up in your head. Uh, that was the only TV, though, right? So we were the lucky ones. We were the ones that got to watch that. I think that was the only well, TV. We had the TV in. No, it couldn't have been. I think it we was. had that TV there. All the, the TV was always in that room. That was our fourth was grade it? room. We yeah, you're right though. There weren't many. There was one in the library. I remember that. Yeah, but that didn't really Pretty sure there was a, I don't think. Yeah, so did we just happen to be the lucky ones that had a TV that I, I day? Because so. that TV, yeah, TV, yeah, that was sort of the community TV, right? Because when we had us that Harold Washington assembly after you know that he was that it, it was announced that he died, yeah. I think they wheeled that same TV into the auditorium in front of everybody. <laughs> Just remember that now. This all in this day and age of projection TVs and big screen TVs and all that stuff. We would be in an entire auditorium watching Trying to squint and watch a 25 inch TV. 25 inch tube TV that was sitting up right in front of the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of kids you know, trying to watch I, this one TV. I remember I remember I remember thinking how big that Skinner Auditorium was. And then and then the first time I remember going over to Young and being in high school and going to that auditorium. It's like, oh, oh, wow. That's a real oh, auditorium. Okay. That's a real auditorium. Yeah. And then you go back to Skinner. When you and I, when you and I'd go over there about once a year just to see all the old teachers and you'd we'd walk by, we'd look into that and go in that auditorium. You're like, wow. The wooden seats. Mm hmm. That were about yeah. three or four inches wide. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that we yeah, ever bad, sat in watching really watching really bad movies in there when we had movies uh, movie days. Watching bed knobs and broomsticks, bed knobs <laughs> and broomsticks, and uh, that and 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 the uh, like escape from Witch Mountain and uh, yep. the Black the Condor Hole. Movie, I remember Flight of the Condor, Condor Man, or something like that. Condor <laughs> Man. I remember Tim and I would always Tim and I would always make fun of the movies. Yeah. Tim and, and I were the guys. Theater 3000 yeah, before we were doing that before that it. was. Yeah, before before that was a thing. Tim and I were sitting in the back of the room making fun of the movies. That's Tim, our, so. our DC correspondent. Tim, so yeah, a lot of threads back to our grade school days on our show here. A lot of connections. Yeah, a lot of connections back to our back to our grade school days. You know, we have Christmas coming up, so wish you a Merry Christmas and your wife. Yep, same, same to you and your family. Yeah, anything special? Really what, is, what are the kids getting this year? Everything. <laughs> okay. My wife sent me a text today of a picture of their toys and all their stuff that they got all laid out. It's obscene how there's so they have so much stuff that some of it. My wife said I she put it back into our hiding spot to give to them for their birthdays. They have so much stuff. Yeah. Why the hell not? She actually put some of the toys into reserve. We have a reserve for toys. 
Uh, no, we're supposed to have an ice storm here on Sunday. So fortunately, we're not traveling. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Snowstorm today, ice storm Sunday, windy. It's supposed to be like ice and like 40 mile an hour winds. So I'm glad I'm not going anywhere on Sunday. Fine. I don't plan on. I'm I've, I've, I'm not. I don't have to go back to work till Wednesday now. So I, I sort of lucked out here. I've got a little mini vacation here to be home with the kids and enjoy Christmas. And so I'm gonna have a great time. What do you What are you up to? Work. Oh, fun. I'll be working tomorrow. Of course, we're off Sunday, so we'll be uh, at my wife's uncle's house uh, doing Christmas dinner for him. And then Monday, I'm back at work. And Tuesday. My wife is off until uh, Tuesday, and you're off until Wednesday. Yeah, my my wife was off today. She was off today. She goes back on Tuesday. Uh, I started my time off just now, so I'm off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I go back Wednesday, so. I will uh, I'm definitely going to enjoy this. I, finally, we we finally, I couldn't tell you the last time my wife and I had a three-day stretch off together with the kids that didn't entail one of us being deathly ill. Oh. Yeah, that, the last that, that, time that I had three days count. home, last time I actually had three days home with my whole family was October when I was laying in bed for three days with a fever. Hmm. So this will be nice. This this could be a first. And this is also the first time in eight or nine years of uh, where I'm working where we've uh, got the whole weekend off. So I actually have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. So that's 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 not a, normally a thing. I have worked every Christmas Eve for the last seven eight years. So it's nice to have it. It's nice to have it off. Yeah, things kind of lined up for me this year. So I'm very thankful. I get to spend the time with my family and. Spoil the heck out of my kids uh, on Sunday morning. That's great. It's bad, too. It's really bad. My wife told me like a month ago, you know, we're done Christmas shopping. We The kids have enough stuff, and I kept buying stuff. <laughs> I was being, I'm that dad. You know, I see something, I buy it. It's like, oh, man, my kids will love that. Boom, I'm buying it for them. Yeah. The Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I was just sitting there on Amazon just ordering shit. Another sign of the modern ages, something you couldn't do years ago. No. Hey, look, there's a deal on a toy. Oh, my son will like that. <laughs> Click. Hey, Click. showed up two days later, you know. <laughs> couldn't uh, do that with the Sears catalog. You put Toys R Us out of business all by yourself. You should be ashamed. I tried to put, I tried to keep them in business, though, when I was growing up, because there was one like four blocks from my house. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, do you remember the Sears catalog? Everybody remembers the Sears catalog, right? Yeah, that thing was like 800 pages. And I remember (laughs) getting that every year. Me and my sister, we'd be flipping through there. with. We'd have a pen, and we'd be circling the stuff we wanted in the Sears catalog. That, 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 that. that. Yep. And the toys were always at the back. And I... I mean, I got a lot of good stuff for Christmas all over the years, but I don't know if I ever got anything that I circled in a Sears catalog. We'd leave it like out of my mom's bed, real <laughs> subtle, you know, hint, with the hint, circles hint, on. Hint, yeah. Hint. <laughs> so, yeah, some good. There we go. What were we talking about? Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah, uh, where did this I was all trying start? Trying to count up our.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.